Welcome to Playmakers, I'm Haley Elwood, and today my guest is Angela LaChica. Angela is the president and CEO of LaChica Sports, and she also serves as the managing director of the Players Coalition. So Angela, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, I'm excited to be here. I know we were just talking off camera. This is like the magic of Playmakers because earlier this season, I have Tracy Odie Blunt from the NFL on. We finish and instantly after the conversation, she's like, you know who you need to connect with? You need to connect with Angela. Because obviously so much in 2020 has happened and there are so many conversations that we need to continue to have. And so I really, really look forward to this one today. Mm -hmm. It's great. So you created LaChica Sports in 2007. You have over two decades experience mm -hmm. in sports, media, philanthropy. Why did you choose to create LaChica Sports? Um, I, I, like you had mentioned, you know, I've been in sports my whole career and I had always known that I wanted to have my own company. And it was really important for me to not only be able to diversify outside of just, you know, one sport working in a front office, but also to be able to conduct business the way I thought it should be conducted. Our industry could be pretty difficult at times. Yeah. Uh, and I thought it was important for me to be able to maintain my moral integrity as I continued. Um, and then secondly, and something that I'm the most proud of is that we're a women-led organization. Yeah. Um, there's 11 of us. And when I was coming up, you know, I had a job with San Diego State men's basketball team where Coach Fisher sat me down and said, I cannot have you here as a female. And I couldn't understand that. And I begged, begged, begged him. And to think about that today happening, you know, would just be crazy. Yeah. And so for me to be able to, to have an opportunity to hire other women and to be women led in a male dominated industry has been really, really important to me. And one of the things I'm most proud of. Yeah. You led me into my second question, which was going to be about that. That Steve Fisher conversation though, that is incredible because in, I think relatively a short amount of time, so much progress has been made, but just how special is it for you to have created that and given opportunities for women? So much. And I tell Coach Fisher all the time, you know, that his decision and his leap of faith in me changed the trajectory of my career. So that was over, over 20 years ago now. And he was just coming off of Fab Five and didn't want to deal with any of the drama that he assumed I would bring. He was very traditional. But what that ended up doing, my time at San Diego State, traveling with the team, being in the locker room day in and day out with the team and maintaining my professionalism, that then opened the door for a position with the San Diego Chargers, uh, San Diego Chargers at the time. Yes. Um, and that allowed me to have an opportunity um, with the former PR director, Bill Johnston, to be able to do visiting locker room interviews and supporting the media where they hadn't previously let a woman in there. But because of my experience with Coach Fisher, I was able to get that opportunity and then things just continued to grow. So without Coach Fisher, you know, I give him so much credit um, and trust in me. And I, you know, I knew that I was also setting an example for any other woman that was going to come behind me and want that same opportunity. So I knew that I had extra pressure to make sure that everything was above board and that he never regretted that decision. Well, let's talk about that trickle down effect because I started with the chargers in 2014. I initially was a part-time writer for them, but that was my job. It was working game days, going down into the locker room post game, obviously 2020, a little bit of a situation now, but thank you for that, for the opportunity that you initially <laughs> had, because that's it. It's, it's set, that set the tone for other women, obviously, to be down there to, it's a normal thing and it's a normal thing now. And it's almost like one of those issues where you don't even make it an issue anymore because there are more of us who are down there when those instances happen. That's exactly right. Yeah. And Bill Johnston, you know, when he was trying to decide 
what he could use with me of. He did talk to Coach Fisher and asked about my conduct in the locker room. Um, and if I could share a quick story with you, um, we were playing an, an AFC rival one year and their PR director had accused me after the game of looking at some of the players, you know, and I would go into the locker room literally with my recorder and my staring at my feet or staring at the locker room up there, you know, nowhere, anywhere in this strike zone. Right. And the, the, the PR director had sent an email to Bill that evening after the game. And Bill called me into his office that next day. And he goes, look, this happened. And I was horrified Mm -hmm. because I, that, that little complaint, whether it's true or not, could change us, right? Could change our reputation. And Bill had so much faith and confidence in me. He knew that that was so far from beyond that. And he stood up to that particular PR director. And I loved it because every year I had to see that PR director and I made sure he knew I was not going anywhere. You know, and that was, he was an AFC rival. So I had to see him for 13 years, you know, but you can't get away with that and think that that's going to be okay. You can't make accusations like that. So I was fortunate that Bill had my back in that situation and and trusted who he had put in that position. Yeah, and I think that's something too, when we talk about men in this industry, obviously us as women, back then, if you don't mind me saying that, it was a little bit more different of a time because there were fewer women who were doing jobs Mm -hmm. like that. But yet to have male allies like that who knew that you were holding yourself in a professional manner, that what that person said you did was totally different not correct because they knew the type of person that you were. That's really special. And it still is important for women to still find men like that in this industry because it still is male dominated. I'm so happy you said that because one of the things that I love to say um, is that, you know, growing up, my mom taught me how to be a woman. You know, she taught me how to act like a lady. She taught me how to dress like a lady, particularly when I was working at San Diego State men's basketball, I was on the bench, you know, and it was sellout crowds and everybody could see me because I was the only female down there. So I was always in my suits and things I hated when I was 19, 20, 21 years old. So my mom taught me how to act like a woman, but my dad taught me how to be treated like one. Mm-hmm. And I knew that my, by raised by my dad, that there were good men out there who supported women and saw the equality that we deserve. And so I was able to really easily identify who those men were as I crossed paths in those career. And more importantly, who those men were not and making sure that I did whatever I needed to do to, to not get reception situations or anything like that. So I think that was a really good lesson that I've still carry with me to this day. Yeah, that's an absolutely good lesson for, for anyone in this industry, any women, even men too, to, to be, be on the yeah. right side of that. That is for sure. Can I ask you a question? Yes, absolutely. Were you, when you were going into that, were you nervous at all having to have that type of, did you feel like there was a chip on your shoulder or anything like that? Or were you just confident, I'm going to go get this done? It's an interesting question because it was 2014. So it still was, you know, like seven years ago. And and a lot has changed even since then. I think for me, and I had this conversation with Judy Batista from NFL Network earlier, because I got my start in high school football. So I went from covering high school football to covering the NFL. And for me, that high school football experience taught me how to talk to players, how to talk to coaches, how to build relationships. So even though I was working full-time at a dance studio, which was the job that paid the bills and I was doing these kind of side freelance jobs, of course I was nervous, absolutely. But for me, it was, I had that kind of prior experience and knowledge of knowing how to talk to athletes, knowing how to build relationships and even it was high school football recruiting for me. So it was keeping in touch with them, you know, throughout oh, yeah. the course of a season. 
And that was really, really valuable experience or invaluable experience because once I got to the NFL and once I got to the Chargers and look, these are, I grew up in San Diego. These were players I would watch every Sunday and, and all of that. It never was sort of in the back of my head because I just always knew how to conduct myself in a professional manner. And now instead of talking to a 16-year-old, you're talking to a 16-year veteran at this point. And, yeah. <laughs> and I do credit the Chargers organization too for never making it feel weird. But I will say that prior experience certainly helped. And knowing that there are other yeah. like you who have come before and, and obviously Jen Rojas, who's on our PR staff too, who have done it, it makes it a lot easier. And, and now I think in a weird way with some of the younger players, they're more used to it because they're used to sideline workers and, and more women in media where it's not as, Mm -hmm. as strange or foreign. And I will say too, Mm -hmm. in my now seven years here with the team, every single guy has always been super respectful. And I just really credit the organization for that. That's great. That's so great to hear. So getting the social justice, huge component of what you do with Lachika Sports. We mentioned you being the managing director of the Players Coalition, which is basically going to be the next chunk of this podcast. For those who may not know about it, I'm sure this is going to be a long answer, but what is the Players Coalition? How did it come to be? The Players Coalition um, is an independent organization of professional athletes who are dedicated to impacting um, criminal justice reform, police community relations, education, economic advancement. Um, I think a lot of people think that it is an NFL program. And it, it started, though, back with, um, you know, Anquan Bolden and Malcolm Jenkins really trying to figure out how they could use their platform to make an impact in a formal way. Um, Anquan's story was personal. You may have seen his PSA during Super Bowl last year. Um, so his journey started in October 2015. Locally, he understood that the case with his cousin was bringing local media attention. And so he learned from the prosecutors what they needed to do as a family, what they could say, what kind of pressure they could put to ensure that there was accountability. And so he realized that that wasn't just happening to his family, but to other families and realized that his platform opened doors immediately. So when he looked around the league to see what other players were happening, he saw Malcolm Jenkins, um, obviously a big leader in his community as well. And we went, um, we decided with five players to go to Washington, D.C. Um, on an off Tuesday in November of 2016, meeting with legislators on Capitol Hill to say, hey, here we are. What do we do? It wasn't formal at the time. Um, and they all kicked us back to state and local. So. From there, we started doing some work, identifying guiding objectives and really looking to um, systemic change. So looking at legislative change beyond just social media awareness, they wanted solutions. They wanted a call to action. They wanted to understand, okay, you know, we need to end cash bail because it's a poverty trap for, you know, minorities. Um, looking at the digital divide, just a wide variety of issues that were impacting communities of color mainly. Um, and so now, four years later, um, we have anywhere from 500 to 1,000 active players at any given time, current and former, who are using that forum. Um, we just helped pass the Racial Justice Act here in California um, last month. Players from seven different leagues who rallied together, we built a campaign around it. And when the players are well-informed and they have the information and they believe in something, um, we're able to really use that platform to impact change. What can you say, I guess, about a guy like Anquan Bolden who called it quits. He gave up his NFL career because of what happened to his family member. I I watched a a 
keynote speech that you gave where you said, you know, Charlottesville for him was also the final straw yeah. where it just, it, mm-hmm. it changed him, but to give up the game and just realize mm-hmm. that there is a higher purpose and, and his, he could do good on another level. I, I mean, I will never forget all I got in the morning and he was at King camp with the bills and he, and you know, I'm, I, I need, my, my purpose is bigger than this. Yeah. I'm sick of what I saw in Charlottesville, he says. And, you know, he, he, I think he was getting antsy and knew he wanted to do a lot more and knew that, you know, um, his life's purpose was much greater than football. And so to be able to work under that kind of leadership has been the most rewarding. Um, I call it a project, but it's more than a project. It's been most of a rewarding time in my professional career. You know, we're watching, we're sitting with groups and I'll, if you don't mind, I'd like to share a short story yeah. um, about a group that we were working with in Florida. We helped um, pass amendment four, which was restoring um, voting rights to, to formerly incarcerated individuals. And a lot of the things we do would these private listen and learn. So the players could get educated from impacted citizens. So they could use that to then go out and speak publicly. And we ended up holding um, a voting restoration workshop one day, and this was after the amendment had passed. And so we were able to get a bunch of service providers to get people now to start to register and to use their voice. This was in 2018. And I sat there and watched. There was a a woman who was holding the place line for her son, and he finally got there. He was coming off of work. He got there. He got in line, and he sat down to go register to vote. And he was shaking. He was pulling out his ID. This man was 47 years old and never had the right to vote. To sit there and to watch this man's life immediately changed and have his voice back and he's shaking as he's pulling out his ID to register. It was so powerful. And it was things that, you know, we take for granted. I think, you know, I I would walk two doors down to go vote and there was never a problem, never long lives, no suppression. And to know that the rest, so many people aren't, don't have that kind of freedom is, is just been gut-wrenching. So it's been, again, really, so, so such an honor to, to work with these players and in this space. Yeah, that's right. I mean, if that doesn't give you chills, I, I don't know what will just to, to really hear the real life, like tangible effects of that. You mentioned mm-hmm. earlier education, like making sure players are educated mm-hmm. on certain topics. Do you think that that was something that was missing that now this coalition has really helped tap into? So I know that when, when we formed, when the Players Coalition formed, it was very intentional. And it came at a time when it was not popular and there was a lot of attention on those players. Um, and some, you know, paid a price for that, but yeah. it was the, the, the issues were more important than what people were saying about them. So they knew and we knew that we had all eyes on us and that we needed to move very intentionally and very quietly to make sure we were understanding what the steps need to be and what groups we align ourselves with and what issues to focus on, not just doing bipartisan, but also a fact-based, evidence-based type research before we speak out on legislation. Um, So I think that that's been the core of what the Players Coalition has always been about. But what I think has been different is that you know, when the murders of George Floyd happened and Ahmaud Aubrey happened, we ended up being the first phone call for so many front offices, so many players, agents. So people knew we were around, didn't quite understand what we did, or maybe didn't think they, they needed to work with us, but knew like, you know, push come to shove, we were there for them. And so we, we have been so busy these last eight months, bringing people up 
to speed, educating them on what they, how they navigate the space, because it's not an easy space. And sometimes you could get your hands on, you could support the wrong thing. And it sounds like it's great on its face and it's doing more damage in the long run. And so um, I'm certainly not the expert in it. You know, we have a team of experts that help navigate that for us. Um, but it's just, you know, it's just been, um, I, I think one of the, the best pieces of how we operate. And I think that the people we now work with can see that. And again, we have now representation in 10 different professional leagues. Um, we created leaders across leagues group. Um, so we have a group chat going of leaders from each of the leagues, just sharing things like, hey, my league has four black players. What do you do about this? Or, hey, my league, what do, are you standing for the anthem? Are you coming out? What are you guys mm -hmm. doing? So we're kind of in there sharing what we've learned on the NFL side and navigating that and then how they can then use their voice and, their, and, and the resources that we've built within their individual leagues now. That's really cool. That is really, yeah. really awesome. What did it mean just a couple of years ago for the NFL to finalize its social justice partnership with the Players Coalition? Um, I think for the players, it meant a lot, but I think that it wasn't just about um, the money or the grant, grant money or anything like that. It was about really using the platform to highlight these issues like you guys have marketing, you have media, you have all of this. We need you to make these issues important. You can't just write a check. And um, we still operate that way to this day. So, you know, you don't need to take a side, but you need to be able to show that these issues are real and they're impacting a majority of the communities that your players are coming from. There is a task force, an NFL task force. I believe it's 11 players, nine are black, two are white. How important is it to bring the different races together to, I believe you say, address issues that are ultimately all encompassing? Um, I know that, you know, for those players early on, it was important. I know, and I, if I can speak, you know, about Josh McGowan's role, just in that very first day, when we went to Capitol Hill, um, him and Q have a relationship and, you know, Josh has been wonderful. He's like, look, like I'm here for you. Like what, what can I do? I know that maybe my voice may be perceived differently. Um, and I'll never forget, he was doing an interview um, on site that trip and he, he had said something that I never thought about, but he said, you know, my, he goes, when I left to come here to DC, he goes, my goodbyes to my kids look very different than maybe some of my brother's goodbyes. You know, mm -hmm. I don't worry about my kids. I don't worry. And that's not, a, that's not the freedom that everybody has. And so um, I think having his support, having Chris Long's support early on just was instrumental in really um, getting us over that hump um, to start to build that momentum and, and continue to grow. You mentioned 2020. It is a year unlike any other. So much has happened and, and you can even attribute, I know Justin Jackson, Chargers running back, he attributes so much of the focus on social justice going back to the pandemic because we've all been home. It's been on our TV every day before sports started coming back. There were no distractions. You couldn't mm -hmm. look away and it's been happening. I mean, that's for sure. It's been happening for years now, but, but this really, really you know, centralized it and focused it and focused everyone's attention on it. How encouraging has it been to see players from the NFL, NBA, all sorts of different leagues really take it upon themselves, even Commissioner Goodell, to now affect change? Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. And I think, um, again, to use your platform with a, with a really um, clear intention and call to action and to know that uh, these elected officials are being held accountable and that people are watching. 
Um, and even, you know, we've been fortunate to work with some players. Um, we, we just established a college level program. Oh, so wow. now we work with athletic departments across the country. Yeah, it's just been wonderful. But we use some of the professional players to come in and say, hey, here's how we've used our platform. And people are paying attention. And your elected officials, you know, do need to know that it was a lot of um, voter education stuff, you know, early on. And now how do we kind of move beyond that now? And how do we hold our um, local officials accountable? So I think it's so important. Um, and it's so encouraging to see that many more people come out and know that they're going to speak hopefully without any repercussions. And it's not as prohibited as it was early on. And then lastly, Angela, what is next? We're here in December, obviously 2020, almost in the rear view. Mm-hmm those stuff, everything is still happening and, and will continue. But what is next for La Chica Sports and for the Players Coalition as we move forward into 2021? With La Chica Sports, we just kind of keep chugging along and we just make sure that um, we continue to use our platform to support other women in sports and entertainment. That is, again, always so important to us. Um, a bunch of us are working moms and so being able to support other women in those spaces as well. Um, you know, we partner with the National Diaper Network a lot um, on some of the issues during the pandemic. Um, and then, of course, you know, helping with the, whatever our client needs are. But then I think more importantly, on the Players Coalition side, you know, our work is not slowing down. We're now going into legislative season um, starting January. So we're getting ready to meet with the players and identify what those objectives are going to be, what we're going to focus on. Um, we have a lot of players with ties to Georgia. So we're focusing on the runoffs in Georgia um, and then figuring out um, how to make the organization sustainable. What do we need to do grant making wise and financially to make sure that we can be around for a long time? Because unfortunately, there is a lot of work to do. Um, and then I'll say lastly that, you know, with that leaders across leagues group we're really just starting to look okay what are some of the low-hanging fruit that each of you all are facing in your particular sport um, excuse me leagues how do we help you know collective resources on that and then we're going to come together and impact the communities at large um so continuing to build that out and offering players a really um safe platform to be progressive and aggressive on issues that matter to them um with a lot of education and knowledge and, and hoping that we maximize their impact while really minimizing their time well we greatly look forward to that progressive and aggressive mm-hmm. i love that mm-hmm. thank you so much for for sharing everything that that you do with lachika and also with the players coalition like I said, these are conversations that are going to continue, but to be able to have them is something that's really important to me. And, and I so thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you so much. We really appreciate the support.